the line in that song, and all will see. When God becomes great enough in your life, that his greatness starts to break outside the boundaries of the normal of your life, the rest of the world's gonna say, my God, he's great. They're gonna see you and they're gonna say, I know her and that's not her, that's God. God's great and all will say, how great is our God. Hot dog, that's good. I want my life to so exude the power and the presence and the person of God that when people walk by me, they go, my God, I'll go, yes, sir. That's God. You say, that's not possible. You know what I say? Hide and watch. Because I believe God's going to have a church. And this church, can I teach y'all the more excellent way? You know where I just pulled that from, don't you? You see, for years in the church, we've been trying to raise up Nazarites. Now, Nazarite, some of you are tracking with me. Others are like, she's speaking something I don't know. Nazarites entered a vow. They didn't cut their hair. Billy, you're out. Just kidding. A lot of you are. Angel, sorry. Nazarites couldn't cut their hair. Couldn't cut their hair. Couldn't touch a dead body. Couldn't drink any fruit of the vine. Is that all three? That's a vow of consecration right for years in the church we've been teaching people consecrate yourself be holy do this and be holy do this and have you ever heard of that Sandra do this and be holy anybody ever been raised in those churches do no paint do this and be holy we've created our own Nazarite vows don't wear makeup don't wear this don't wear that men wear white shirt I don't know you know what I'm talking about add whatever it's just all now we've been in the church religion loves Nazarites. Y'all tracking with me? The more excellent way? Corinthians, love. See, we're entering a day, y'all. You ready for this? We're fixing to lay down the order of the Nazarite. And we're about to pick up the order of the Shulamite. The Shulamite, some of you don't know what I just said. Solomon's bride. I am my beloved and he is mine. See, what would happen if you were a Shulamite and not a Nazarite? Would you do all the stuff that you weren't supposed to do? heavens know because I am my beloved and he is mine see the more excellent way of the Shulamite cancels the need 
for the Nazarite. When we enter into the relationship of the bride, then we walk in a place of the more excellent way. I, y'all will find this hard to believe. I have absolutely no rules governing my relationship with this man. None. I have one rule, and that is of a Shulamite. I am my beloved, and he is mine. And anything that would offend that one rule of love is out. So you see, what is the secondary consequence of the Shulamite? Consecration. See, if I could teach you anything, it would be to teach you how to be a lover of God and not just a Nazarite. And then I wouldn't have to teach you anything else, Sam, because you would, you would just do it out of love. A heart that says, I am my beloved and he is mine. If you try to get in between this relationship, I will cut your throat. Y'all believe that? You better. You think I have to strive for consecration? You think I have to strive? No, I'm a Shulamite. I'm not a Nazarite. I have a more excellent way. I am of the order of, get it? Hold up. I am of the order of Esther. I beat entire armies, Ruth, with a banquet. I don't raise up an army. I don't do anything but put on my makeup and walk into a meal and I overthrow an entire kingdom because I am a Shulamite, not a Nazarite. Y'all can be Nazarites if you want to. You can get your rules or regulations out and you can check the fundamental boxes and try to get your paperwork in order. But I'll be over here doing the more excellent way. The life of a Shulamite is a life of I'm my beloved and he is mine. He has brought me into his banquet house and his banner over me is love. See, when you sing how great is our God through that lens, all of a sudden you stop singing about someone and it's like you, you're singing, it's like all of a sudden, rejoices over me with singing. Who, who, raise your hand if you're saying, I'd rather be religious. I thought somebody in the balcony, if anybody raised their hand, be up there. Just kidding. This
this is what we offer you when you walk through the doors of that church. If you're looking for religion, you might be disappointed. If we do things a little odd, get over it. If, get in or get out of the way. We're not offering you some religious programming. We may swing and miss, we may knock it out of the park. You know what we are? We are relational beings in relationship with a relational God. And that's all we offer you. We offer you the opportunity to be Shulamites and lay down the hard work of the Nazarite and just go into the more excellent way of love. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven. Merciful God, we surrender, Lord, to your relationship. Lord, we thank you for your glory, your grace, your presence. We thank you, Lord God, that you have created us, Lord God, in your image. And Lord, we thank you this day, Lord, that we have a vow of a Shulamite, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on and praise him. Amen. You may be seated if you're able today. already say you've been to church amen? amen praise the lord praise the lord before we go to the before we go to the text today and as we enter into this service this this hour i'm gonna i'm gonna propose to you today if i could give you something today that would improve your health improve your mental health as well, your physical health and your mental health. Anybody in here would like to sleep a little bit better? Anybody in here, would you like to strengthen your relationships? Would you like to increase your overall self-esteem? Would you like to increase your overall your overall sense of well-being? Would you like to have something in your arsenal that would wart off stress? I mean, take stress and, and take stress and just bring it to a nothing in your, in, your, in your life and in your heart. How many in here would like to broaden your creativity? Anybody in here has ever asked, I would love to be more creative. How many would like to open new doors of opportunity, whether in ministry or in life or in business? How many in here would like that? I'm going to give you something today that's going to help you. It's going to help do all of that. It's, it's not something that I'm saying to you that I've made up. In fact, it is scientifically proven that what I'm about to share with you has all those aspects within it. And it's within your capability. But this is not a spectator sport. It, it's, it's not a one and done. You're not just going to get it and say, okay, I'm going to do this one time and all of the rest is going to fall into place. I'm going to take the magic pill and that magic pill is going to cause uh, everything in my life to transform. Just one time. No, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a change of mindset, an attitude. It's going to be a revolution to your lifestyle. 
It's not a spectator sport. Everything is not just going to magically fall into place. This will require my full-on participation. Do you still want it? I'm about to give it to you. Lock, stock, and barrel. I'm about to put it right in your lap. And what you do is going to either revolutionize and help your situation, or you can forsake it and not do it at all. What am I talking about? I'm talking about transformation through Thanksgiving. Y'all are real excited. <laughs> Woohoo! It's more than just blessing the turkey and eating till dressing runs out your ears. It's not a seasonal thing. It's not just something that happens on the fourth in November. It is something that you live in, that you walk in, that you abide in. It's a mindset. Father, we pray today that you will revolutionize our heart, our life, our being. Lord, we pray for transformation, Lord God. And Father, I pray that the revelation of thanksgiving will come to the heart of your children in Jesus' name. Now take your Bibles and go with me to Psalm, Psalm 100 today. Psalm 100 today. In this passage of Scripture, and today we're going to be talking about the Thanksgiving gate. The Thanksgiving gate. Psalms 100 says this, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Are you serving the Lord with gladness? No, it's just a bunch of rules. I got up this morning, I had to get dressed, took a bath and everything and showed up. That's not what it's meant to be like. Come before his presence with singing. Now, you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. Don't worry. I have this belief that you can offer a song and maybe you sound like a, a, a calf stuck in a gate. But when it filters up into heaven, there's a, I believe there's a filter that when it gets the ears of God, it's perfectly in pitch, perfectly in on key. And it is praises before the Lord. So just if you have to sing in the shower or the backside of the pasture, don't worry. Just keep singing to the Lord. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. I love that, don't you? And not we ourselves. Mm. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And this is what I'm going to look at in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his court with praise be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good his mercy and is everlasting and his truth endures to all generation enter his gates with thanksgiving so our approach to God given that passage of scripture is clarifies to us that when we approach him, we should approach him with thanksgiving. Amen? Enter his gates. Now we see gates and we think about what is a gate. It's an entrance. It's a passageway. It's what causes, uh, in the city there would be the walls and there's the gate. 
and the people would enter in and exit through that passageway, that gate. So we look at that gate and we see that whatever comes into that gate must pass through. In order to get in there, it must pass through that gate. We also see that the gate was literally a representation of the strength of that city. Because the city was only as strong as its weakest area or an entry point. And so they would have the watchtowers, they would have the gates and the guards, they would keep watch over that gate. So and then we see that also at the gate, that would be where the, those who were part of the governing body, gather at the city gate and they would make decisions there but so the gate represents a passageway it represents strength but it also represents governance because the government would take place at the gate aren't you glad that the Lord told Peter the revelation at the gates of hell, all the strength of hell, all the entrance and exits of hell, all the governance of hell will not prevail against the church. But also, church, we see, and this is, this is a little side note, but it's going to help in the direction God is taking us. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we see in when Jacob received the revelation, as he was there laying his head upon the rock, and he noted that there in that dream there was a ladder. Angels ascended and descended upon that ladder. And as they ascended and descended, he awoke that day, and after he made covenant and promise, God made him promises, he made a covenant with the Lord, he awakened that next morning and said, This is Bethel, this is the gate of heaven. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when the Lord told his disciple, when he called him forth, he said, you're impressed with what I've just done, but let me tell you what is more impressive, that you're going to see the angels in de, in ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That latter is Jesus, and the entrance into this world is through the church. And when we begin to understand that revelation that we are the gate of heaven, then it changes things, and the governance of the kingdom of God is stronger than all the governance in the world, that what God offers, he offers through the church, and the strength of the church is greater than all the, all the armament and all of the arsenal that the enemy has, because no weapon formed against you is ever going to prosper. Amen? That's just a side note. But when we understand that the kingdom of God is not with observation, but the kingdom of God is within us, then we begin to operate and function and live in a different realm. We see here the approach to God is thanksgiving. But I want to offer to you today thanksgiving as a gate. I want to talk to you today about the thanksgiving gate. And how that Thanksgiving, 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 my country may come out, but y'all don't be offended, okay? But what you will discover is that in Thanksgiving, there is an entrance and an exit. 
there's a passageway, things that will come to you and things that will come out of you. But you will also discover that I know that we have preached and we have taught, and yes, there is an attitude of gratitude. But let me tell you, if you look at the other side of that, my gratitude will determine my attitude. If I have a sorry attitude, it's because I don't have any gratitude. If you find a person who has a thanksgiving heart and a heart full of gratitude, you will find that they will have a good attitude. So as we look here, what we begin to discover is that attitude determines outlook. How I see the world depends upon my attitude. My outlook defines my behavior. If I walk into a room and my attitude is such that I'm living in a place where my mind is so consumed with fear, anxiety, dread, and worry, then I'm going to look at that room as a threat. I'm going to look at people and I'm going to put their faces as the enemies against me. So my attitude is going to determine my, my outlook. My outlook determines my behavior. And my behavior will define my destiny. But if my attitude is such, because I have gratitude in my heart, my actions, my attitude begins to change, my outlook begins to change, and I don't look at people as enemies, I look at them as opportunities. Not in a manipulative sense, but not for what they can do for me, but what could I do for them? How, how could I benefit and serve them? They're not a threat because there's no weapon that they have ever formed that's going to prosper against me. But how can I elevate, motivate, encourage, inspire? Lord, would you use me, God, to bring some revelation to somebody to let them know that, Lord God, their potential is your greatest priority. You want to lift them up out of the place of wreck and ruin and set their feet upon a rock and let them stand and be all that they've ever been called to be. In you, there's something that motivates us in this house. The Spirit of the Lord has something in store for you, and we want to see what that something is. You know what the fivefold ministry is called to do? Pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist. It is equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So there's nothing that brings more joy to the person operating in one of those offices of the fivefold ministry, but to see you equipped to do the work God has called you to do. Okay. It isn't our position, but our disposition that makes us happy. It's not my position. Whether I am the janitor of an organization or I am the, 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 the president. It doesn't matter if I am on whatever detail that I'm called in that area of the corporation. Any service is not diminished that we do. What we do is we take the service and we elevate the service through what we do for Christ. Amen? Andrew Murray said it so much better. But what we see here is that our position, folks, is not our difficulty. It's our disposition 
It's my attitude. If I don't start out with a positive attitude of gratitude, if I don't let gratitude dictate my attitude, then let me tell you, I'm never going to find positivity in my life. How many want to live in a place of, of, of absolute gloom and despair? Who wants to live in those places where you get to the end of your days and all of the opportunities were laid before you, but you couldn't see it, and you stand before God one of these days, and he shows you in a moment's time all of the opportunities that were laid before you, but because of your disposition, because of a falsehood, of a lie that the enemy told you, you miss out on all of those opportunities that were there. You don't want that. I don't want that. If we will take this word today and begin to apply it, it'll begin to transform you. Transformation through thanksgiving. Transformation through thanksgiving. Now what we see is that this is a psychological study of human nature. Interesting enough, Thanksgiving is an acknowledgement of our dependence on God and our interdependence upon one another. Let me explain. To be grateful is to allow oneself to be placed in the position of a recipient. To feel indebted and aware of one's dependence upon others. How many would agree with me that we live in a society and in a world that does not promote gratitude? We live in a world and a society that lives in many times and promotes the direct opposite of that, ingratitude. We're, we're not saying on the streets, Lord, we thank you for this day. Because then it would cause a nation to acknowledge that they are dependent upon God. But see, for us to say to someone, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your being. I thank you, wife, for being the greatest person I've ever known. I thank you, congregants, for being here. I thank you, brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, for your, your faith and your inspiration and your encouragement. I thank you. Worship team, what would, it, what would things look like if, if, if you were so interdependent upon one another that you began to offer gratitude for that other person's gift and ministry? Oh, thank you for that song selection. Thank you for your vote. Thank you for your gift. Thank you just for being here. Oh, I just want to thank you. What happens now is there's an interdependency that society and sociology and psychology tells us that many people, they become so stressed out because they feel this sense of indebtedness 
to someone else. There are studies that are out there that say for a person to feel the weight of indebtedness to someone else causes them such anxiety that they will literally separate themselves from the whole. And there's not any thanksgiving that is going forth because I don't want to be interdependent upon you. And you don't want to be interdependent upon me. Guess what? You need me. And you know what? I need you. We need each other. We need each other. We are not islands to ourselves. And you know what? I'm thankful for you. And you're thankful for me. You, I am grateful. And when you hurt, I hurt. And when you celebrate, I celebrate. And when you are feeling the, the weight and the burdens of the world resting upon your shoulder, I want to help relieve those burdens just like you want to relieve them from me because you're not interested in what I can do for you. You're interested in me, and I'm interested in you. That's called unity in the body of Christ, and it is powerful. So, if we become dependent upon God, I had this conversation yesterday. We would have no ability to do anything without the favor of God resting upon us. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't administer. We couldn't uh, inspire. We could not uh, move, a, move a feather, fluff a feather on a rooster without the favor of God. We've got to have the favor of the Lord. I'm dependent upon him, and I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for what he has done. I get to thinking about where he should have left me and what I didn't deserve and how he pulled me out of that wreck, and that literal wreck where we rolled a car doing 95 miles an hour, and God could have let me die on that road. He could have let me die on that operating table. Appendicitis ruptured, and I developed gangrene in my body. But he said, oh, no, I got something else for you, son. He could have left occasion after occasion after occasion. I'm so thankful for life. I'm thankful for ministry. I'm thankful for calling. I'm thankful for you today. See it, thankfulness causes us to change our perspective upon our dependence upon God. And the natural outflow of that is we begin to thank others. And we find ways to be grateful for them. Are you getting anything today? Transformation through thanksgiving. Now, as we look at the word of the Lord, we find the, the go-to scripture because thankfulness is the readiness to show appreciation. And the Lord says in, in Thessalonians 5 and uh, verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything that you do, give thanks to God. In every situation you find yourself in, just begin to give God thanks. Now, as I look here to the word of the Lord, what I begin to discover is that, the, is that there is a mindset that I can fall into, and it's easy in the world today. 
it's so very easy to fall into an in, ungrateful, ingratitude mindset. Men, just pull up any news network and you'll discover. Scroll a couple of pages down on Facebook and you'll discover. There's a lot of sorrowful things that are going on in our world today. There's a lot of things that are transpiring in our world today is to lead us to a place of ingratitude. But I'm saying to you, there is transformation in thanksgiving. And it'll, trans it'll begin to transform our thought life. It'll begin to transform it as our thought life begins to change. We will physically begin to feel better. We will emotionally begin to feel better. Now, what I'm sharing with you right here, I want you to take, not as a, as a stone of condemnation to hit you between the eyes, but how many know when you're on the road, and we've used this analogy before, we being me, myself, and the Holy Spirit, when you're on the road and you, you go off the side of the road and you hear that, you know that what that is there for. And yes, my three-year-old granddaughter, I know how to drive. I can take care of it. Straighten it up, Pops. But what it tells me is that I'm, I'm getting off the road. i got to get back in my lane. And then you got the little reflectors on the other side. And when you hit a couple of those, or little, it, it tells you you got to get back in your lane. So what I'm sharing with you is, is things that will help you get back in your lane. It's not a stone of condemnation. It's keep us on the path that God has before us. It's to keep us in a, in, in, a, in a mindset, in an attitude where we are, have a readiness to, to show appreciation because what we are after is the transforming power of the Spirit. And the Lord, if it wasn't important, he would not have written it down. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. But if I begin to realize that there is a gateway of thanksgiving that can cause my attitude to be governed, my victory to be governed, and my, uh, my allowance of things that I will allow into my spirit and out of my spirit, it'll change everything. So, gratitude focuses on what it has. Ingratitude focuses on what it does not have. So there's our, there's our boundary. If I begin to focus on what I don't have, then I'm falling into an ungrateful state of being. If I focus on what I don't have or maybe what I believe I should have, I'm falling into ingratitude. And that leaves all of us in a place of despair. It leaves us in a place of blah. It doesn't elevate us in the least bit. It doesn't help my mental state of mind, my physical man. It doesn't help anything. But all of a sudden, when I begin to thank God for what I have, I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my life. I thank God for my, the opportunities that are before me. I thank God for my children and my grandchildren. I thank God for the bricks and the mortar. I thank God for the good that he's given me because now I can't even breathe unless he gives me the air to breathe. I can't even know him unless he reveals himself. Oh, if I begin to thank God for what I do have, 
starts changing. It starts changing. Young people, this will change you. This will help you. An attitude of gratitude. I've used this, but I love this story of the pessimist and the optimist twin sons. And the dad decided on Christmas he was going to, he, he, he put their presents in the room. In the pessimist child's room that was so filled with grief and angst, he put all kinds of presents on his bed, in the floor, on the chest drawer. The room was just filled with presents. And he walked by the room and the little boy was there crying. He said, son, what's the matter? He said, I don't know what to do with all of this stuff. He goes to the next Optimus son's room and he filled his room with horse poop. You heard the story? And that boy was in there laughing and throwing horse poop all over his room. His dad, his dad said, son, what are you doing? He said, dad, with all of this horse poop, there's got to be a pony under here somewhere. Gratitude sees the sacrifice given. Ingratitude wants more than what has been given. Gratitude sees the sacrifice. Sees that that person went out of their way. God went out of his way. Don't pretend for a moment that we understand everything. We don't. Anyone that tells you they got it all figured out, that's a sure sign that they don't have anything figured out. There's a lot of variables and things that we just can't know and eternity will tell us. But what we can know is this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, came to this earth left all of glory that we haven't seen, only a select few, and only what we have in Revelation of the Word. He came and he walked the face of this earth in order to reveal the face of God. He lived and he died and he rose again and he brought us back to the right hand of the Father and we are there with him now. And he sent forth his spirit into our hearts whereby we cry, you are our daddy, you are our daddy, you are our father, you are our father. So I may not know everything, but this is what I do know is that God made a sacrifice to bring me into relationship with him and I'm not going to listen to the defamation of his character from the situation from Satan or from self. I want to hear what my father says. And when I begin to think about this, if you stop just for a few moments and begin to thank God for his sacrifice that was given, you will stop asking the question, Lord, why don't you love me? Oh, you've never done this, but I'm going to tell off on myself. I was a young Christian, and I, was, I found myself in one of those funky attitudes. And I was questioning the love of God. I was questioning his concern for me. I know you've never done this, but I'm telling you, learn from my experiences. I'm a young Christian. It was about a week and a half ago. 
No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. And I was, I was just in this place, and I was wanting to get to this certain place in myself and in God. And, Lord, I just felt like the heavens were brass. And just, Lord, I just, Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord God. And why don't you, what, where's your love? And, and I was questioning the love of God. Ludicrous is that. And the Lord said, son, do you want to know how you can know that I love you? I said, yes. Finally, I'm getting some clarity. He said, look at my cross. Oh, that changes everything. If you've ever questioned the love of God, just look to Calvary. Just look at the sacrifice that he has given, and then you'll stop complaining about what you don't have and realize all that he gave to give you what you do have. It all, I'm telling you, there's something liberating about just being grateful, just being thankful. Let me tell you, if you woke up and you're in your right mind today, just give me thanks. <laughs> yeah. I love what somebody told me this morning. I said, man, it's good to see you. He said, it's I'd rather be seen than be viewed. Come on now. We're living in that day. We're living in that hour. There's, there's, there's people. We need, to, we need to cherish the moments when we have. We may not get another. You may not get another holiday. You may not get another moment. Start thanking God for the people that are around you, for the church. That we still have the liberty to come and meet. Amen? We still got the right. To, if we want to run the top of the pews, if we're able, we can do it. Thank God for your mercy. I've had those in my life. Those to protect names. I've had individuals that it wouldn't matter how much I gave them, how much time that I spent with them, how much sacrifice I, I gave to them, how much resources I gave to them personally. And whatever I gave was never enough. Why? Because their heart was not filled with gratitude, but ingratitude. And when I find myself personally in a place and my head is bobbing because I'm hitting the because I'm more concerned about what I don't have instead of giving God thanks for the sacrifices made for what I do have. Now, I got to get back on the road and begin to thank God. See, this is not a one and done. Because as much as you hate to take those showers, you need them. Amen? <laughs> I take a bath every Saturday if I need it or not. I can't rest. I, those of you, and I'm not getting into the hygiene, but if you can go to bed without taking a shower, I don't know how. I got to be clean. Amen? Some people are morning showers. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I was like, I'm not crawling in that bed if I'm dirty. I want to, I want to take a shower and be clean when I get in that bed. Come on. I'd work with guys on the workplace, and they work all day and sweat and muck and mire and all this stuff. They'd wash their hands and go to bed. I'm like, you are nasty. Anyway. Thank God for showers. Amen.
Gratitude, thankfulness, focuses on what it has learned. Ingratitude focuses on what it has lost. How do you give thanks in everything? When tragedy hits your life, when relationships are broken, when you lose, is this distracting anybody? Sorry about that. How do you give God thanks for the loss? Maybe we don't focus on the loss and we think about what we've learned. In the midst of tragedy, we learn that God is faithful. In the midst of devastation, we discover the comfort of God that we haven't experienced before. What we learn is that God is genuinely concerned about us. Yes, there is a loss involved. But if I focus all of my attention on that loss, then I'm going to lead down that road. Are you hearing me? But if I could turn and say, God, I, I just want to thank you for the time we had. I want to thank you for what they meant to me. I want to thank you for the preciousness of this individual that has made such an indelible impact. And if they're a child of God, you're just rejoicing over the fact that they made it home and they're with the Father. We're living in a day, folks, where we need to value one another and just thank God for each other. Because we understand that there's not a lot of time left. And I want to cherish those that are around me. I want to be thankful and have an attitude that is such that is pleasing to God because I don't want that, that ingratitude and that entitled spirit to control me. I want to thank God for what he's done. And what he continues to do, ingratitude walks in a sense of entitlement. But let me tell you, a thanksgiving heart walks in an attitude of praise. I just want to thank you, Lord, for this meal. I just want to thank you, Lord God, for, uh, for turkey and sweet potato casserole. I want to thank you for dressing that's made just right. I want to thank you for that giblet gravy. I want to thank you, Lord God, for those sweet carrots because who can eat them without that sugar? Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord God. Now, I personally love brown and serve rolls. I can't get them very often, but I like them. I like them slathered in butter. <laughs> you can have homemade, but I'll take them straight out of the packet right off the shelf at Walmart. I like them. Any brown and serve roll folks in here? Three or four of them. Let's get together and have some bread pudding or something. But you notice how much different if you find yourself in the mully grubs, if you find yourself in that place that you don't want to be and you don't want to stay there,
I want you to do something. I want you to begin, not perfunctory. You can start out that way. That's fine. But I want you to begin to think about the goodness of God that's in your life. And what I'm most thankful for, not things. It's not made with brick and mortar. It's the people. It's the relationships. It's the individuals. I start there, and I begin to work my way up. I just begin to thank God for the fact that he's, if I failed, he's given me another chance. If I, if I bomb it this Sunday, then Lord's give me another chance next Sunday. And I begin to thank him and praise him. And all of a sudden, my attitude that was sorry is now being governed by something different. It's called gratitude. It's thanksgiving. It's a readiness to show appreciation. I want to have a readiness to show appreciation. I want to thank God for what he's done. I thank you for showing up today. You don't understand how grateful I am as a pastor that you are here today. Because I had to preach to you in an empty building with me and Michael and Andrea sitting on the front row and him recording and I'm hoping that you're listening. I had to envision you sitting in your seat and, and preaching to you just like I wasn't sick. During the shutdown, so if people show up and it's more than me and Michael and Andrea, and even if, even if it's only me and Michael and Andrea, I'm still grateful, but my Lord, have mercy when you all show up. Because we can do more together than we ever can do apart. Gratitude. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your family, your ministry, your gifting, your calling. I'm thankful for you individually. Those that I know even better than others. Those I'm thankful for the opportunity to get to know you more. I'm just grateful for the body of Christ. I would not want to do this without you. I wouldn't want to do this without you. I want to share life with Christ, but I want to share life with you. See how much different that looks in our own hearts? I could go on and on, but I've already preached food to you, and I'm getting hungry, so we're going to quit. But I hope you can hear today the gratitude proven, studies that are out there proven that thanksgiving will improve my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health. It will cause creativity to begin to flow It'll cause new opportunities to open up. Need I tell you about the 12 spies that went in? There were 10 that were ungrateful for where God had brought them from. 
But there were two that said, hey, if the Lord is pleased, we can do this. I, I believe God is just, I, I promise you, this is what I feel the heart of the Father saying to his children. I, I have some goodness I, that I have in store for you. I just need you to open it up and realize, uh, and I want you to show the world my goodness. I've given to you freely. I want you to give to others. Uh, and where the Lord is going to take his church, he's going to take it through the gates of thanksgiving, uh, through those that understand and appreciate and protect. They protect one another. They protect each other, and they are grateful for one another. It's hard for me to talk about somebody that I am grateful for. I feel the urge to begin to meddle, and I'm just going to quit, okay? <laughs> Stop for a moment in your situation. And you find yourself in that low place. Begin to rise up out of that as you allow your heart to open up to gratitude. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the gate of heaven. And let thanksgiving begin to rise up inside of you. Look around you. Don't focus on the loss. Focus on what you've learned. Don't don't continue in that. Just begin to thank God. You have failed. It's all right. You tried to do it without God. Now do it with him. And he gets all the praise. Just begin to elevate. Just begin to thank him. That person you're having trouble with, just begin to thank God for that person. Begin to thank God for that, for that father, the mother, the sister, the brother, the wife, the husband, the, the co-worker, the boss. Just begin to thank God for that individual that now you have an opportunity to express Christ to them and just thank them because you wouldn't know all of, the, all of the goodness God has in store without all of the badness that's around you, amen? Because it's in the tragedy that we understand how triumphant we are in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? It's in, that, it's in that level of suffering that we discover the faithfulness of God and God begins to elevate us uh, into a place where we begin to discover how good God really is. Just begin to praise him. Where you're at and where you're sitting, and I'm not going to call the worship team back up just yet, but if you've got something to be grateful for, this is a setup. If, you just, if, you're, not, if you're wondering... I'm telling you ahead of time, so I'm not really manipulating. I'm just setting you up. Do you have any reason to be thankful today? Then stand up if you're able. Angel, what are you thankful for? For your wife. Lee, what are you thankful for? Cheryl, what are you thankful for? Dennis, what are you thankful for? Jim, what are you thankful for? Healing. He just got over COVID last week. <laughs> Sam, what are you thankful for? Give me an unmarried person in here. 
your family. Amen. Charlie, you thankful for those grandbabies? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for our relationships. We thank you, Lord, for our spouse, for our children, for our son-in-laws, for our future daughter-in-laws, for our grandbabies. We thank you, Lord, for ministry, for the word, for the Holy Spirit, for the blood. We thank you, Lord, for shelter. We thank you, Lord, for provision. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We're allowing your son to bring us back into your image. Lord, we are thankful today that we have been privileged to be called into an hour such as this where there are perilous, irksome, difficult times. But Lord, you see yourself in us and you have called us forth to this day. And you have entrusted the harvest to us. And we want to thank you for your confidence of your spirit in us. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord God, for the individuals that are in the house. We want to thank you, Lord God, for the loved ones that have gone on. Lord, there has been a privileged opportunity, Lord God, to have them in our life. We want to thank you. We want to thank you, Lord God, for the triumphs, and we want to thank you, Lord, for the trials. We want to thank you, Lord, for what we've learned, and Lord God, for where you brought us to. Lord, we want to thank you for where you're carrying us, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, for revival. We want to thank you, Lord, for the hunger for revival. We want to thank you, Lord, for the outpouring of your spirit. We want to thank you for the bread of life. We want to thank you for the revelation of the image of God. We want to thank you, Lord God, today for the preciousness, Lord God, of the individuals that are in this room today. We want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace for the undeserved merit, God, of your favor, your provision. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Now, honestly, don't tell this to me. You can lie if you want to. Honestly. Does this Thanksgiving elevate you at all? Let this be a mark. Just draw a line in the sand and step over. Put it somewhere you can remember it. And just say, God, I'm going to walk in Thanksgiving. I'm just going to walk in it. When I feel myself away from it, I'm going to get back to it. Guess what? If you decide to do that, the quality of your life has just changed. Thank you. Thank you. Right now, we're going to take up, as we dismiss, we're going to take up our offering today
as an act of thanksgiving. I, I just believe when the Father, when we give to the Lord and we give out of a heart of thanksgiving to say, Lord, it all belongs to you anyway, and I'm just so thankful. I have the opportunity to give back to your kingdom. It revolutionizes. This year, we want to ensure that every kid that is in our church, we want to ensure that they have a, a, a blessed Christmas. If you'd like to give a little extra today and just, just put on their Christmas offering, we're going to make sure that any family in our church that's in need, any regularly attending family in our church that's in need, those funds will go and be distributed equally among them. And so if you'd like to give from here for the next few weeks, we're going to be taking up a Christmas offering for them. And so if, you're to, if you have an offering, you can give that today. Just designate other market as Christmas gift. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all of your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for every individual here. We thank you, Father, that it's time to quit. Amen. God bless you. Be blessed. The ushers are at the back to receive. Have a great rest of the day.